Welcome to Galaxy of Toys Presents the Star Wars Spinner Rack, a podcast all about those comics from a galaxy far, far away. I'm your host, Jake Stevens, and thank you for tuning in to our issue one, if you will. And joining me tonight, he's the voice you're used to hearing on Galaxy of Toys. I like to call him the MC of GOT. Welcome, Jason. Welcome, Jake. I'm glad to be on. I'm glad to have you on. It's weird having you on the other side. It's a nice break for me. That's good. Now, we've been talking about doing this for a while, and it's time. I think the timing's perfect with uh, everything that's going on in the comic world, yeah? Yeah, I think it's a good time. As, uh, Dark Horse is winding down, and hopefully Marvel will be picking up. <laughs> I think it's a good time to start something like that. Now, also joining us tonight, from Vintage to Modern, from Bendems to the Black Series, he collects them all. He's our good friend, Ryan. How you doing? Wow, I still get the same intro here? <laughs> it's your moniker. <laughs> i, I got to change that one. Uh, yeah, I'm doing great. Great to be here. I'm excited to do this with you guys. Uh, now, you, know, you, you said this is issue one. Are we going to have an issue zero as well? Or? Yeah, I know. We'll have to make it an exclusive that they'll have to uh, do something for. <laughs> or we go back and explain everything so it makes more sense or something. Right? Yes, retcon everything that Let's we ret- said. We can retcon this podcast. There we go, yeah. <laughs> Before we start the show, ladies and gentlemen, we just want to make it clear that throughout this episode, we'll be, of course, discussing and spoiling many of the plot points and reveals of the current and uh, the last previous few months' releases. Therefore, if you haven't read your comic books yet and are cautious about spoilers and want to remain spoiler-free, then this will probably be the time where you want to... uh, Log on to the Holonet and download your digital copy, or maybe even head into hyperspace for your local comic book shop before joining the rest of the show. Now, I thought before we would begin, being that this is our first issue, if you will again, I thought since we'll be the people ushering this comic book uh, show, we should probably kind of get what our comic book backgrounds are and let the audience know what our interests are, what our history is with not only Star Wars comic books, but comic books and all. So let's go ahead and just ask a few basic questions, get to know you guys and your comic backgrounds better. Jason, we'll start with you. When did you first start reading comics? I started reading comics when I was about uh, 11 years old. Um, You know, I had read some before that, but for the most part, not getting my own. My dad kind of had the mentality of comic books rot your brain. And so uh, I really didn't have a lot of comics as a kid. When I got older, though, and could had some extra money, I did start buying comic books. So when I was 11, that was about 1984. Okay. And then did you start with um, – well, Star Wars, of course, was out. But was that what you were reading back then? I started with uh, uh, G.I. Joe. So yeah, that got me. That got me into comic books. Larry Hama got me into comic books. Okay, Ryan, when did you start comic book reading? Um, I read some comics when I was a kid. Um, mostly it was uh, DC stuff, generally Superman and Supergirl. Um, when I I kind of got back into reading it again in the mid '90s, uh, a friend of mine had reintroduced me to Superman again and uh, loaned me a ton of uh, old comics, and I kind of caught up on a bunch of storylines, and I read Superman. Uh, very regularly for about six, seven years. And then, of course, once you start going into the comic shop, you start buying about everything else. Um, so I was reading Superman, Justice League, Martian Manhunter, um, as well as the, the Dark Horse Star Wars comics as they hit, um, and the occasional, uh, extra issues of different things from DC and Star Wars. Okay. So you you would consider yourself a DC guy? Definitely, yes. 
Okay. My comic uh, reading started in seventh grade, and it was I had a friend in art class who kept sketching Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and I had never read the comics. Of course, knew of the uh, show, but I hadn't ever really continually read comics. And he got me into the turtles and what he was sketching there, and uh, turtles led directly into X Men, and I have never stopped collecting X Men since. So I don't know what year seventh grade was for me, but I know it was like at least 91, 92, somewhere around there. So I think I've collected X-Men straight since then. Um, so that was a big, big love for me. As a kid, I had a smattering. I know I had lots of G.I. Joe, but I didn't collect them from month to month. I had lots of Star Wars. I remember I had a lot of the Star comics, if you remember those, like um, uh, Weird Stuff. Uh, was Thundercats under there or Silverhawks? One of those, I think, was a Star comic. Yeah. Um, a lot of the spinoffs of like the 80s TV shows, uh, like um, uh, the Round Ball, Mad Balls was another one that had Star Comics. I collected weird stuff like that as a kid. Star, but... Star Comics eventually did Droids and Ewoks, too. Yes. Like yes, they 85 did. or 86. Exactly. They were kind of the king of, like, what do we call it, the franchise or the mm-hmm. productions that were going on during that time. Absolutely. Okay, so um, what's... More important, would you say, Jason, story or art? You know, for me, it's it's usually story. I like to read the stories, and and I hope the art's good. But if it's not, my imagination can usually fill fill that part in for me. So I I definitely would say story. Okay, Ryan. Uh, I'd go story as well. Um, I mean, there's occasionally times I'll read a book, and um, like if the art is not very good, not up to par. Uh, like when I read Superman, if he just didn't quite look right, or when I read Star Wars stuff, especially like Vader doesn't always look right in some stuff, um, it'll bother me. But if the story's good, it's passable. If the story starts to lag and the art's bad, then it's no good. I mean, the art can help you, help it come back, but definitely the story is is always more important to me. I totally understand that, and I and I I pick and choose with that. But for me, it's art. I have to love the art. I really do. And I if I don't love the art, even though the story's great. I, it's not a fun time for me. It's not. It, I just I cannot get as invested if I don't enjoy the art. Um, and I like all sorts of art. So I, not that I even have a real narrow perspective. Like I like the cartoony arts, like the uh, Gendy cartoon when they made those adaptations. You know, I love that stuff. But I also love Jim Lee, and I also love uh, Joe Madureira, and I love you know. So I love realistic and and cartoony, but I have to like it. Otherwise, the story just doesn't do enough for me. So I guess I'm a little more visual there. Now, there's, of course, multiple ways that you guys can collect comics. We can collect comics nowadays. Uh, You can either collect uh, them, wait six months and get the trades, because it seems like clockwork. As soon as the sixth issue is out, they print it into a trade. Or you can collect by individuals going to the comic book store every week or month, and or there's the completists where you get every exclusive and double cover variation. Ryan, what's your typical form of collecting? Pretty much individuals. Um, like there's some stories I won't read. I just don't have an interest in it. Um, but I, I'll just I'll, I'll I'll try and get to the comic store like at least once a month and and pick up what I I want to read. Um, but I am definitely not going to get into all the variants and buying every last piece out there. Um, I am fine just reading the story through what what I want to read, and, and that's fine. Yeah, I think I'm like Ryan. I I collect just the individual 
issues. Um, I tend to not buy the trade paperbacks um, because uh, the collector in me likes to have the individual issues, but I'm not a completist, and you know the trade paperbacks don't usually appeal to me. Um, and I do like the ads and stuff that are in the single issues um, that don't always appear in the trades because um, to me they the the ads kind of date the comic book. So when you ref- read a comic book from 10 or 20 or 30 years ago, the ads the ads in the comic book kind of add something to it, and it kind of reminds you of the the time when that comic was coming out. Have you ordered your sea monkeys, Jason? <laughs> Not yet. Okay. Um, and I do not like the uh, variant covers. I just say put a good cover on one. You know, put a good cover on it. I don't want. I don't want. I never want to buy more than one cover. I just it irritates me. I know for business, there's a you know I know there's a business strategy behind it, but it does not appeal to me. Yeah, I'm with you on there. I'm with you on the multiple covers. I particularly only buy art covers. I really don't like photo covers. But from what I think I've heard, like you said, the business strategy, mm-hmm. it's the um, the grocery stores that tend to sell better with the photo covers, and it's the comic book stores that tend to sell better with the art covers. Yeah. So I think that's one of the strategies. But yeah, I'm like you as well. It's I the trades don't give you the letter columns, they don't give you the ads, they don't give you the you know all the stuff that to me makes it a comic book. Mm-hmm. I love those old ads. <clears throat> That's one of the things I always look forward to and you know for those who don't know I uh, also run from Forlom to Zuckus, a Star Wars action figure uh, website and I love Star Wars action figure ads and we haven't had any recently so it's kind of been sad because I've been looking every issue I get. I'm hoping for a Black Series or a Saga Series ad. But hopefully with uh, the new energy behind Star Wars now coming in the next months with uh, new movies that we'll start to see more ads. Because right yeah. now we don't get a lot. That's true. All right. Star Wars comics now have a huge library that's grown, of course, over the last 37 years. All sorts of stories have been told. All types of eras have been covered. Jason, if you had to pick a series and era that were your favorite do you could you? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I think there's good and bad in all the eras, but if I had to pick one as one of my favorite eras, I'd probably go with the Tales of the Jedi stuff from the '90s. The very early. Yeah, I the really know me Sunrider. Right, and and uh, Ulick Keldrama and Exar Kun. Yeah, I, I really liked liked that that series, and I had always kind of been hoping they'd get back to it. I'm guessing now that all this stuff is non-canon legends they probably won't ever come back to this era but uh i think it was really fun and it was it was a it was definitely a new look at the star wars universe because um it just took place long before any of the movies or the comic series that preceded it so i agree with you right there on it was a new look and that was what was really nice about it in the early 90s because nowadays it seems like anytime they go to a new era it still kind of looks like clone troopers and jedis and and things don't look too different with that tells to the jedi what they really did was like the lightsabers were on energy packs that were connected to your belts yeah and and the ships did not look aerodynamic at all and they weren't smooth and they were really you know hard and really rough constructed and I agree with you. I really enjoyed that look as well. Ryan, series and era? I'd say for series, I'd have to go with the Infinity stuff. Okay. Um, 
you know, for a long time, I didn't read comics for a while. Like, I dropped out of reading comics completely in about 2001, 2002, mostly for monetary reasons. Um, my, my job wasn't paying me very much. I couldn't really afford it. I'd stopped reading comics. I stopped reading Star Wars books, uh, pretty much focused as much as I could on Star Wars figures as far as money went. And um, But when the comic packs were hitting, I'd buy all the, the Hasbro comic packs. And I can't remember what the first Infinities comic pack that was came out. It might have been the one – was either the one with the white Darth Vader or the one with uh, Leia and the stylized Darth Vader. But I read through that. I'm like, this is really cool, and I immediately jumped on Amazon and bought the trades for all of the Infinities, read through them, and loved them. I just loved the idea of, hey, we're going to change this little thing. And I would like the same idea when I read the, the DC stuff where they did DC Elseworlds where they'd like – change one little thing, and, and let's, mm-hmm. this is how it would change it. I just loved it. I, I really got into it. Um, as far as favorite era, I'd probably say um, when Dark Horse got into it in the early 90s, up until about Episode 1 came out, I really liked a lot of the stuff, a lot of the Dave Dorman art that was in in that era. Um, I, I just, I really, I enjoyed the stories, even though, like, uh, Dark Empire wasn't, you know, you go back and look at it, Clone Emperor and all that sort of stuff wasn't the greatest. Um, I still, I enjoyed a lot of it, and it was, it was also that time when, like, hey, Star Wars is coming back. I'm enjoying reading this stuff. It's fun. So I, I look at that, and I, I really, really enjoyed that time. That was a very, very good time. And yes, the Infinities were really fun because they just kind of existed in their own. Um, a lot like the, like you said, DCL's worlds, like um, right. Superman lands in communist Russia as opposed right. to Kansas. That's a fun spin, yeah. right? Absolutely. Darth Vader goes to the light side before he dies and gets white armor. Sure, those are fun one-offs. Absolutely. I agree with you there. I think if I had to pick an era... It has to be the legacy era, so the legacy comic book and the era. So we're talking, what, 130-some years after A New Hope. I thought that series, at least the first 50 issues before they canceled it the first time, were just so fun. It was, to me, it breathed new life into Star Wars comics. Yeah, it was a great time. I loved the fact that they had multiple orders of uh, Jedi and Sith and you know, bounty hunters, and they brought it all together. And it was kind of like the Clone Wars cartoon where they didn't focus on one set of people the entire time. They'd take issues off, and you would learn about bounty hunters, and you'd learn about the Sith and the Jedi. I had a lot of fun with that series. So I think I would go Legacy for sure. Okay, next question I have for you. If, let's say you had George Lucas-like powers, or let's say maybe you became part of the Lucasfilm story group, which is now in control of all canon, and they gave you one story you can canonize, make part of the official now Star Wars mythology, what would it be? Ryan, we'll start with you. I'd go with Tales of the Jedi, uh, just because it's it's really not going to affect anything, really. It's not going to affect anything you see in the movies. It wouldn't change anything. It's 5,000 years in the past. I believe it was 5,000 years, wasn't it? It is. I have my cheat sheet here. You're correct. Yep. Okay. And it was it was a fun series, and yeah, you you kind of got to see early Jedi stuff, early hyperdrive, early lightsaber. I I thought it was fun, and like I said, it it just wouldn't affect anything that's coming out right now. It's so far in the past that it didn't matter. That's a very good call. Very good call, Jason. Hmm. I think Ryan stole my answer. Um, I certainly wouldn't canonize Rebel Heist. <laughs> um, you know, I think I might go with some of the Marvel stuff just because it's so ridiculous. It'd be fun to make them have to accept it. Uh, I think issue number eight of Marvel 
comics from uh, 1977, Eight Against the World, with uh, Han Solo, Chewbacca, and Jackson the Rabbit, with a <laughs> few other few other characters behind them. I think I'd go with that. How fun! How <laughs> how fun would it be to make J.J. Abrams have to animate a big green? Uh, Maybe that could be Andy Circus. Maybe that's what he's there for—a big CG bunny rabbit. Yeah, yeah. But in, in seriousness, I would take Ryan's choice, too. I'd go with Tales of the Jedi. I feel like in recent years, that series has started to gain more momentum. I know people love KOTOR, and uh, they even got the newer, older series now. What is it? Dawn of the Jedi takes place mm-hmm. like right. 38,000 years ago. Yeah. Um, but I, I think I can get behind that as well. I think Tales of the Jedi would be a great pick. It would be because I felt like... It still was Star Wars. We still had holocrons and lightsabers and good and bad. Um, had the Jedi Order, slightly different than it, what it is, you know, in the prequels, if you will. You know, yeah. they were able to marry and stuff. So maybe to be more like Luke's Jedi right. Order. Who knows what we'll get? But yeah, I think that would be a great one. Yeah. Absolutely. Next question. Final question. Uh, I know that we three here are all uh, action figure Star Wars collectors. So let's say Hasbro makes all of our days, and announces that the comic book two-packs are coming back. And for those who don't know, Hasbro partnered with Dark Horse a handful of years ago and produced comic book two-packs that had not only a comic book, but two figures featured in that comic book from a Dark Horse and Marvel, uh, old Star Wars Marvel comics as well. So Hasbro wants to revisit the comic back, uh, the comic pack uh, concept. Jason, what's your first pick for the first set they would make? I'll go back to my last answer, and I'll say Marvel's Star Wars uh, number eight from 1977. I'd have them make uh, Jackson, who's the uh, Green Rabbit, and the other character I would go with with is Azura, who is this uh, green, scaly, alien-looking guy. Um, I think those two would be a great choice, and I'd also ask them to do them in the retro style, kind of like the uh, Super 7 stuff that, that – uh, the aliens figures that Super Seven made. I haven't. So I'd have to do that. Limited articulation. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. That I would. I would buy it. Get I on it, Hasbro. It. There you go. <laughs> Are they listening? Ryan, your comic book two pack. Um, I've I've got two here. Um, it, and I go back to I look at you know when I bought the comic book two packs, most of what was coming out I didn't know who these characters were, but I bought them because I bought every figure. But I'd read the comic that came with each one, and, and it'd be like, oh, I'm kind of interested in this. You know, why is Luke in an Imperial uniform? Well, this is kind of cool. And so I'd try to think of, you know, things like that to where if you saw something, it was like, well, I want to read that as well because of these figures look cool. And so, so I came up with two here. Uh, the first one, because um, I like to put heroes in different things we haven't seen before, um, I'd love to see at some point Han Solo looking somewhat different from anything we see in the movies, although it seems to rarely ever happen. But I would go from the the, stern, the current Star Wars series, um, Luke Skywalker in the black X-Wing uniform, and I know some people don't like that at all, and then Leia in the white X-Wing pilot uniform as well. That way you get two characters that you already know, but they look different. Obviously, from the point of view of Hasbro, this would be a piece of cake. They're repaints, right? But um, it would look cool. It would look different. You, you, don't, you haven't seen that before. And my second one is just because of the, the type of stuff I like, but in the Star Wars Tales, they had that, that one story where uh, Indiana Jones is going through yes. the, the Northwest uh, and going after Sasquatch. He discovers the crashed Millennium Falcon and basically Han Solo's bones, 
and the Sasquatch ends up being Chewbacca. So there'd be the Indiana Jones Chewbacca two pack. I, I think that. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! It, th- also, <laughs> full disclosure, Ryan, huge Indiana Jones fan. Ryan lives in the Pacific Northwest. This is a dream come true mashup oh, for you. <laughs> I, I love that story and Star Wars tales in general. I love and they did a few of those. Like they had the Darth Maul. Um, uh, Uncle Owen two pack that was that was a celebration yes. five yes, exclusive did. I believe so I mean it's not like they didn't mind from Star Wars Tales for that um, we never got Skippy the Jedi droid or anything but <laughs> well we, we have him we just haven't well, named him <laughs> right right we got yeah. Skippy the missile launching uh, <laughs> attack droid though in yeah. 1996 <laughs> you know what that's what I want if I could have Hasbro do something. I would have them work with Dark Horse or Marvel to write comics about our insane Star Wars figures. Like, why is he missile launching? Give us that backstory. Yes. (laughs) Yes. That's funny. Have you guys seen the prices of um, some of those uh, Star Wars comic backs, especially from uh, Tales of the Jedi? I recently bought the XR Kun Yula Keldroma pack from somebody. At a reduced price, I think I spent like 75, 80 bucks for it. I don't normally like to spend that much on something, but. It was becoming insane to find that, and I just was seeing the price go up and up. So yeah, I've seen the prices on some of us. Yeah, no, it's it's th- those are becoming very, very popular in the secondhand market. Yeah, I saw someone post the other day that they actually had AFA graded loose and XR Kun with wow. the saber in a case, all clammed up. Yeah, yeah, those some of those comic I I I passed on most of the comic book uh, uh, packs, the two packs. Because um, I typically don't collect think, collect the uh, figures that aren't from the movies, but um, I did want to get since I like Tales of the Jedi so much, I really did want to get that Ulit Keldrama XR uh, Con uh, two pack, and I never found it. And then by the time by the time I started looking on eBay or whatever, you know, it was up to one hundred and twenty five dollars, and I oh, think yeah. it's beyond that now. Yeah. Um, and also the Legacy two packs, the Legacy comic packs are also really getting expensive. Wow. Yes. 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 So. Yeah, Cade Skywalker, and that one came even. I think, again, figure yeah. emphasis. Uh, that one came with a variant in it too, I believe. Yeah. There was a blue or green switch out of a lightsaber there in one of those sets. Oh no, I correct, correct. That was heir to the Empire, Mara Jade, right? Oh, okay. Had a purple or green, I think. But- um, if I could release a two pack, I think I would make it. It's kind of. Half a comic, half a novel, I would probably do something from Splinter of the Mind's Eye. I really loved that book growing up, since that was our only EU for, uh, I mean, we had the Han and the Lando series, but that was a pretty cool EU story for me, and I really liked Yin and Key, or Hin and Key, am I right? Didn't, didn't we get a Splinter of the Mind's Eye 2-pack? I think they were going to, but I don't think they ever did. No, we never did. What was the did. one with the, the with Luke with half the X-wing outfit on? Like his... that was Heir to the Empire. Yeah. Was that Air? Okay, okay. Yeah, that's the one that had the variant saber in it. Yep. The reason I was thinking that was from um, from uh, Splinter of the Mind's Eye. I thought they hinted at doing a Splinter's of the Mind's Eye. I think one, they but... did too, but we never okay. got anything. Yeah, and I like the art in that book as well. Um, Ryan, I, I'm stuck on the point what you said, and I just I don't know why I haven't really dawned on me until now why do we never get han solo in a different uniform yeah he's always you know white shirt and vest i mean it's constantly i i've i'm a fan of han solo i'm a fan of harrison ford in general and it's you know everything i read it's like he looks exactly the same you know it's like maybe maybe yeah to dress him differently or something 
And Luke has all sorts of different outfits. Leia has tons of different outfits. But Han, nope, looks the same all the time. Interesting. <laughs> okay, so it's time to break down what's on the spinner rack. What we've established here is a little three Death Star rating system. Uh, so we'll take a look at each of the issues released and give us a little uh, rating on how you view the story so far. And essentially, the Death Star rating works like this. A one Death Star means, you know, it's the Death Star plans. It needs to go back and replan this series. So it's not doing so well. Two Death Stars would be, you know, it's not too bad. It's not finished yet, but it's protected maybe by a... Uh, Forest Moon Energy Shield. So it's okay. It's got some goods and bads. Um, and then three Death Stars would be it's complete and a fully functional story. So that's how we're going to break these issues down. Our first issue for uh, May 2014 actually came out on May 14th, and that was Star Wars 17. And the solicitation breakdown says, as Princess Leia and her prince prepare for their wedding day on Aruchar, the uneasy feeling uh, among the rebels, especially Han Solo, grows. Meanwhile, Luke, on his alpine mission with local troops, discovers the Alliance's new friends aren't so friendly. Ryan, you've been enjoying this series. What rating would you give this series? I'll go with three Death Stars. I mean, when I finished it, I, I couldn't wait for the next one. I'm like, oh, because, I mean, it has a great cliffhanger at the end for sure. And, sure. Uh, yeah, it, it definitely left me uh, wanting more, so... To me, that's what a comic should do. So I go three Death Stars. Okay, so three Death Stars. You're really you're into this series so far. You've liked uh, most everything leading up to this so far as well. Without a doubt, I love it. Yeah. Okay, and I'm, I'm sure, of course, uh, whether people know this or not, you are a uh, focus collector of Vader. Vader's one of your key collections, so you probably had a good time with the Vader uh, oh, arc yes. that happened a few issues ago. Yes. Absolutely, and the fact that uh, Obi-Wan was communicating with him, uh, that was just awesome. Um, him just going with a few stormtroopers out, taking out people uh, that he deemed that needed to be taken out, and then taking out the stormtroopers themselves. Uh, yeah, awesome stuff. Okay, yep. Jason, thoughts on Star Wars 17? I'll give it, uh, and I don't know if this is allowed, but I'm going to give it two and a half Death Stars. <laughs> it's two and a half. Two and a half is... Uh, that, that's two see. original Death Stars and a Jedi Death Star, right? Okay. It's almost okay. a Jedi Death Star. The third one's not quite finished, yeah. I like this yeah. series. I, I didn't like it at, at the beginning. I didn't like the first six to ten issues. Maybe six, yeah. I didn't like it, but I'm starting to like it. I'm not sold on this idea that Princess Leia would actually marry... Mary for such a shaky possible base on this planet. I don't know. It doesn't, something seems off about it. So that's why I can't really give it three death stars, but I am sure. enjoying it. I'm enjoying it quite a bit. I like the, I like the stuff with Luke. Um, and yeah, I think it's, I think it's, it's a, this is a fun series. I think star Wars number 17 is a fun series. Okay. Two and a half, two and a half, two and a half. Well, if we're doing halves, then, I'm probably going to go with one and a half. So I guess that would be the equivalent of the episode three Death Star. Okay. Just the structure. <laughs> Just the structure. And here's the reason. I What I judge a Star Wars comic book is, does this feel like Star Wars to me? Does this feel like Star Wars? And it, I will be honest, it, it doesn't to me. It doesn't feel like Star Wars. Where do I start? Luke spends the first half of this issue climbing this huge mountain and it's really hard for him right and these guys are trained alpine climbers and then as soon as they try to attack him 
he's like the greatest alpine decenter down this mountain there is. Like he escapes from them, he runs away, they can't find him. And I'm like, he he just struggled to get up this mountain and a function in this weather and this thing. And now he's awesome. Now he can just get away, no problem. So I, I, it's not. I know we're talking Star Wars, so how believable can it be? But it didn't feel like it. It it was a good depiction of you know he struggled, but now he's awesome. And then like when he goes down into the woods, he's rigging things that he said he saw like on TV. Like I hope this is like those old hollow thrillers, and he's rigging things to blow up. <laughs> I'm like it's MacGyver. Hey, yeah. No, they didn't. <laughs> And that's and that's where I doesn't feel Star Wars to me because what where was Leia rigging stuff on Endor when she was in trouble you know that that type of mentality of I'm gonna booby trap this stuff didn't feel Star Wars to me so that's where I struggle with it I don't feel Brian Wood has the best voice for Star Wars and Ryan I know you like it but man I feel like Obi Wan talking to someone should be very few and far between, and little nuggets of you know Luke use the Force, you know trust yourself, little things. But here in this series, they give him full speeches and paragraphs to Vader and to Luke, and it just it just doesn't feel like it blends with what but, we know before. But it did start off with just little things, and Luke wondering if he really heard what he heard and that sort of thing, and then yes. blossoms into more. But I mean, when it came to Vader, it was like. Oh my gosh, he's here basically taunting Vader, going, you know, I told you I'd become more powerful than you could possibly imagine. It was like, wow, this is cool. Yeah, I like that too, Ryan. I'm with you on that. No. Yeah. And I, <laughs> no, and, and I see the attraction behind that. I see how cool that is to kind of taunt this guy from the grave, like, hey, I told you so. But for me, that's not my vision of Obi-Wan. I wasn't feeling it. Um, also, you know what? One thing that stuck out, it didn't happen in this issue, but it happened a few issues ago. Darth Vader wished the Force to be with another Imperial, and that felt oh, really yeah. weird. That was kind of weird, yeah. That felt really weird to me, and again, to me, that goes – I put that on Brian Wood, the author, and I'm like, does he – how much does he know Star Wars? Because that felt way off. That felt like you know someone that didn't quite know that – you know, that's the good guys. The good guys say that. Vader is on the dark side of the force, and he's not going to wish some nicety upon an Imperial agent. So it's little things like that that start to rub me the wrong way. And also, I think Splinter of the Mind's Eye did a good job showing the, 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 the characters between Luke and Leia without it being gross and weird. Here, Luke is moping all the time about Princess <laughs> Leia and what she's doing. And I'm like, oh, that doesn't feel right, right? It, it doesn't – series well, doesn't. You know, from the standpoint of knowing everything that's happened since, it doesn't feel right. But you look at it as like, okay, he just went through this whole adrenaline charge thing. He met this good-looking gal, helped save her. You know, she's about the same age, obviously the same age. But, you know, yeah, he's going to be attracted to her. It makes sense. And um, and then, you know, he ends up with the – he starts kind of hanging out with the other lady then too. Um the Yeah. No, but no, no, yeah, he no, gets no, a little not the What's Twilight. That? that was yeah, not the Twilight. Man. Yeah, that was the the other gal. Um, I can't remember her name right now. But I mean, it kind of makes sense. You'd be mo- you, you meet this this good looking gal. She seems nice. She helped save her life, and then all of a sudden, you know, she's off trying to marry a prince, or kind of ignoring, or you know, has this whole thing about running the alliance or whatever. You he know, put the job. Boy. She's a princess. I don't know right. why he's. Ex- you know, if you if you if you don't know the whole story, you know, and you're just going off that moment in their lives, yeah. it's like, come on, dude, there's no way you got a shot with the princess. 
Well, yeah, but come on, we're all we're all guys here. How many of us saw that actress in a movie and go, yeah, and you realize she's close to your age, and then all of a sudden you find out that she's dating somebody or marrying somebody. You have that little pang of, oh, you know, it, it's kind of the same idea. Damn you, I, Natalie Portman. <laughs> <laughs> but, you, you know, it's a, even though it's it's unattainable, sure. realistically know it's unattainable, there's still that, that little pang of, Oh, well, that, that, that's that, that's you know makes you a little jealous. It's... <laughs> All right, so Star Wars seventeen, some good, some bad. Sounds like from the group here. All right, that was May fourteenth. That came out the second week of May. This now next up we have on May twenty first, Darth Maul, Son of Dathomir, number one came out, and the solicitation for that is. Getting cut in half by Obi-Wan Kenobi and being rejected by his former Sith master, Darth Sidious, isn't going to defeat Darth Maul. In fact, it only makes him mad enough to take on the galaxy with an army of Mandalorians. So pretty much that solicitation sets us up for where we left off, um, or partly of where we left off with Darth Maul in Star Wars The Clone Wars animated series. Now, for many that don't, uh, follow the animated series. This is actually a continuation. Of course, this is a script. This is actually derived from a script treatment that was meant for season six of uh, the Clone Wars, which was, of course, cut short due to the Disney's purchase of Star Wars and them wanting to focus on the prequel. Tri- uh, sorry, not focus on the prequel trilogies or the Clone Wars and want to uh, direct our attention toward the sequel trilogy, which they're actively pursuing so this is actually a uh canon story that they've announced to star wars uh story group has deemed this something that is actually officially going to be part of the star wars canon meant to tie into not only the prequel the original and the sequel trilogies um so this is kind of an exciting to me this is the most exciting uh series which is currently out because of its uh well, it's going to have longevity more than any of these other series. So, Jason, we'll start with you. You Can't Keep a Bad Sith Down is on the cover, and did they keep this issue down? What do you think? Well, um, hmm. I liked it. <laughs> I liked Darth Maul. I liked the character. Um, and I liked him in The Clone Wars, even though it didn't quite fit with how we saw him in the movies. Um, and I did want to see or do want to see what Palpatine had planned for Darth Maul um, or Darth Sidious had planned for Darth Maul uh, as it leaves off in the uh, animated series. So I going into this uh, comic book, I was pretty excited and it starts off with uh, some, some good dialogue, I think between Darth Maul and Darth Sidious and then Count Dooku later. So I enjoyed the first few pages, but it's kind of started to go wrong for me when Darth Maul, um, escapes mainly because i felt like you know he kind of went back to right where he was in the uh, fifth season of clone wars it's kind of like oh he's in charge of the mandalores again and i don't know it just felt like too much of what i had already seen i don't know something about it i i wanted to see uh something different than what i saw not that i hated it i don't know i'll still give it two death stars but um but it's too it appeared to to me to be too much of a retread of what had happened in season five of the Clone Wars. They kind of just set you back up. Okay. Yeah. Now, <laughs> I guess the question would be: Do you see this as an episode? Do you see that this would have made for a better episode? 
Could you envision this as an episode of the Clone Wars? I guess I could. Would you be happier if it was than it, in the comic book, or do you think? No, I think this is. I think this is. I think this is perfect stuff for the comics to cover. Things that they're just not gonna. You know, I don't. I don't expect them to go back to the Clone Wars. Um, but just Darth Maul going back. Oh, we have. You know, we have your your old laser sword. Your Dark, dark saber, saber, whatever that was. We just have we have it for you, and you're in charge of everything again. Seemed kind of like really like you, he just I don't know. And this I don't know. The escape was pretty easy. Um, I'm guessing that probably Sidious let him escape. That's kind of what I got from it, but still, nah. That's an old empire. It wasn't quite as good as I'd hoped, but I, I, I you know, and even though I'm kind of being negative on it, I still give it two two Death Stars. You you gotta you should pick this up. Okay, uh, you know it's it was interesting because when you look at um, like you said the setting it up when you look at who is still following him after he's been defeated, I kind of thought that was interesting as well because wasn't it defeating? Oh my gosh, is it getting too late? I can't think of the leader of the Mandalores who he defeated. Oh, um, um, Previsla. Thank you. Wasn't that the big thing? Like you know, you follow the leader, the big strong leader, right? And so, you inherited all his, all his, you know, uh, yeah. legions of troops, and now he gets essentially defeated by Sidious and captured. And the only people that peace out are the Huts, mm-hmm. but the uh, the other clans, his shadow collective, still are there for him. His Mandalorians are still dedicated. That was that was interesting. Ryan, thoughts on Darth Maul, son of Dathomir. Now, according to you, a fairly rare issue. Yes. What do you mean? If, yeah, it was hard to find. Um, I went through several comic shops trying to find this. Ended up uh, buying it digitally so I could read it before this. Uh, we did the podcast tonight. I have not really ever been a big fan of Darth Maul. When they first introduced him and showed him before Episode One, I thought, you know, I've been always been a Vader fan, and I saw him as being this really flashy, you know, show off guy, very devilly looking, which seems so cliche to me. Um, I just didn't like I didn't like the character design. Uh like unlike so many people who just loved Maul right right from the begin with and loved his saber stuff, I've not been a fan of him really. And you know, when they announced on Clone Wars they bring him back, I was like they cut him in half and threw him down a shaft. I mean, I thought when they cut him in half, they were like, We're cutting this guy in half so he cannot come back. This is gonna be like Boba Fett where Oh, he could have escaped the Sarlacc. This, you know, they cut him in half and threw him down a shot. He's dead, right? Yeah. And they brought brought him back, and I was like, "You've got to be kidding!" That, you know. And I, I did not like the idea of bringing him back. That being said, once they introduced him, and you get past that, I actually grew to like the Darth Maul character within the Clone Wars. He became a little bit more cunning, uh, a little smarter. He wasn't just all rage and and. Uh, and out there, you know, throwing around a saber the whole time. There was a little bit more to him, and I enjoyed that. Um, now, going into this comic, to me, basically, the whole thing is a setup for the rest of the, the series, I'm assuming. It's like, okay, when last we saw Darth Maul, he had been captured, and City of City had plans for him. Um, so here we have him in the prison, and he sees Dooku, and Dooku electrocutes him, all that fun stuff. And then we get the Mandalorians come to, to kind of rescue him. It's like, okay, it's basically it's like setting him up to get out of there. Um, I did find it interesting that we have Grievous then going after him. Uh, much like what Jason said, I thought it was Palpatine basically let this happen. And he kind of says it early on in, in the book that they're, they're just going to basically follow him to uh, uh, to figure out his whole um, 
black market stuff and everything. But so I, I definitely felt that it was it was kind of let go. But having Grievous show up and Grievous actually, you know, seemed like a competent commander, unlike we ever really saw in the Clone <laughs> Wars, where he was like a Hanna Barbera villain for most of the Clone Wars, where he just was constantly defeated and yeah. practically joked about, unlike the the Tartakovsky Clone Wars. Grievous in the, Grievous in the Clone Wars. Is like Cobra Commander in GI Joe. <laughs> yes, yes, very much so. Um, and here, do you he think there was a? To... Do you think there was a missed opportunity since Maul and Grievous would be an awesome fight, and they had one lightsaber parry and then called it off? Yeah, I think there was a little bit missed missed there, but I, I again, it was like Grievous kind of outmatched him and it was following orders for what he needed to do. It actually seemed like the way Grievous should be. I also found it interesting that one of the Mandalorians that rescues uh, Darth Maul, they refer to as Cast, which for many of us makes us think of Johto Cast from a long time ago. Uh, that was, what, mid-90s Dark Horse comics there? No, um, Johto Cast, I believe, actually goes back to the Marvel comics. Is that right? all the way back to Marvel? Jason? Yeah, I believe so. Oh, okay, I did not yeah. know that. Okay. Um, but the cast we see here is, is quite clearly, I think, feminine from the art. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the small waist and the uh, the, the bigger chest, um, she looks very very feminine anyway. But to actually throw in that name and, and you know as a Mandalorian have the cast name, I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. I'd say overall probably two Death Stars because it, I feel like it's it's setting us up for more to come. And this was something I wanted to see. They kind of left that open in the Clone Wars of you know Sidious captures Maul, doesn't kill him, and says, oh, I've got plans for you. And then we didn't see any of that, so it's kind of good that we're going to get to see some of that move on. Um, I'm, you know, it'd be cool. I, I doubt Disney would do it, but with the Marvel stuff, if maybe we saw some of the other stuff that they they never resolved in the show, like uh, Ahsoka Tano and what she went on to do, or I, you know, it doesn't seem that big a deal, but maybe Captain Rex and why he wasn't around during Episode Three, um, stuff like that would be interesting. I don't know if we'll ever see it, but. Um, it's cool to see him doing it here anyway. Yeah, I agree with you. Hearing, seeing Rex's storyline and Ahsoka's would be fantastic in comic form. Um, I enjoyed this episode. I'm giving it I, issue. I'm giving it uh, two and a half. I think there was some few missed opportunities. Like I said, I would have loved to seen a Maul Grievous matchup, like physical one-on-one lightsaber duel. I thought that would be awesome. Um, I also like the tension between Maul and Dooku. Of course they would hate each other. You know, one was the first student and the other one is the, you know, the new student and one's jealous. And you know, I love that kind of that Dooku gives him a little extra lightning and Maul views him specifically as a, you know, hates him even more because he's a Jedi traitor. And of course, we know that Maul is super uh, grudge heavy toward all Jedi. So I really liked that interplay. I thought they uh, included lots of the Clone Wars elements that made it feel like it was really a, another episode. We we had references to Mother Talzin. We had the Dark Saber. We had um, Almec, the Mandalorian. You know, he's who Maul freed from prison, and then you know he said, "Well, you freed me. I freed you." Um, so you had the Mandalorians with the uh, Darth Maul helmets. I thought it was, I thought I, it was completely believable as another episode of the Clone Wars. So I was very happy uh, with what they gave us in this episode. How would you guys say the name of the planet they're being kept on? Stygian? Stygian? It's, it's spelled S-T-Y-G-E-O-N. Isn't that Obi Wan's home planet? Planet you know Stygian. 
And when I read it, I went, <laughs> oh my gosh, how how brilliantly ironic for Sidious to capture Maul on Maul's home on Obi Wan's home planet. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah. But then I went and did my research and found that it was spelled differently. It's yeah. spelled S T E W J O N. But it sounds the same, Stu yeah. John. Well the old the old planet's legends now, so maybe yeah, so no, one thing, it, go ahead. One thing I was curious about, and Ryan, you might remember this, uh, in Darth the Darth Plagueis novel. Yeah. Um, Palpatine, Palpatine receives Darth Maul, isn't it, as a baby? Isn't yeah. It in, yeah. Yeah. And in this comic, it looks like he's receives Darth Maul more as a ten year old or something. Now, is that in line with the Plagueis comic? I mean, novel. Well. It doesn't – well, in the, in the Plagueis novel, Palpatine receives Darth Maul as an infant from a, from a mother on Dathomir. They do not yeah. say that it's Mother Talzin in the novel. Right. But from my understanding, it was a mother – You know, and I haven't read this book in a couple of years, but uh, I thought it was – No, you're received right. received yeah. it as a baby because the mother wanted to uh, – protect the infant or something so she handed him off to palpatine yeah no so. the, you're you're correct that's what happened in the plague's novel right um i don't know I, I i'm trying to look here to see if there was reference to how long palpatine had known maul but well, i suppose it doesn't matter that plague's novel is no longer canon <laughs> even though they really marketed marketed it at the time as being a canon novel <laughs> <laughs> it's still it's still difficult. I'll be honest. <laughs> On some of these, it's difficult. Like yeah. I want I want shadows to still be there. I didn't mind the Force Unleashed. You know, there's some storylines that we knew George helped create, and we automatically thought was canon, and they yeah. said it was. Now, whole new way of looking at things. In a few years, we won't even care. But right now, yeah, there's some stories that are going to be missed. <laughs> I thought it was interesting that um, a design I haven't seen before, that those battle droids guarding Darth Maul had a very yeah. Darth Maul design to them. And all the electronics on them and stuff, or whatever that is, or tattoos. Mm-hmm. I, thought, I, I took them as electronics, like it was circuits running across them or something. But, uh, yeah, it was definitely an interesting design. Yeah, having having collected many different designs of uh, battle droids, that was definitely... A newer one or a unique one. Yeah. Um, so I feel the show kept pretty good with continuity. I mean, the issue kept pretty good continuity with the show in regards to being an extension of the Clone Wars. Now, they didn't put the Clone Wars on the title. Thoughts to why, maybe Jason, we'll start with you, why they chose not to make it be the Clone Wars. Yeah, it's, Darth sur- Maul. it's surprising. I think. You know, I think they want they want attention to drift away from Clone Wars. I think um, I think they don't want people to. Um, I think they want they're ready for people to to kind of get over Clone Wars and get into Rebels. And you know, maybe they just I don't know. Maybe they they should have. I think they should have labeled this as Clone Wars because it would be like, oh, it's Clone Wars. Yeah, I think it would have been good, but. I don't know. Maybe ultimately well, they just didn't want to. You know, I will say though the 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 figure that comes in the Saga Legends two pack with Darth Maul and yeah. Obi Wan that's out on the shelves now. Yeah. I like having that figure more because it does really look a lot like the figure in this comic. Yeah, the, the character in this comic. So it's kind of sure. cool. 
So agreed. It's interesting, and I'm sure from an animation point of view, they abandon the cloak because that's harder to animate. But yeah. it is weird, though, also kind of seeing Darth Maul run around without a cloak because that's in my mind that's what he wears. You know, because Sidious right. still wears his cloak. You know, it's it's interesting. I would I almost wouldn't mind seeing a return to having the big hood and the cloak on over that uniform that he currently has. Ryan, <clears throat> um, no, the Clone Wars here. Are you okay with that? Um, I, I think it should have been there. Yeah, I mean, if you look at stuff where they've continued some sort of TV, whether it be like Buffy or Angel or um, or um. Uh, Firefly, they've always had the name of the show in there as if it was the, I think Smallville did it too, didn't it? Yes. Um, and Arrow, ha- I think. Yeah, you have that continuation of that show in comic form, and it, it, I didn't actually notice it until you mentioned it that there was no Clone Wars there. It's like, oh yeah. Um, I don't know if it's just like they're trying to distance themselves from that because that wasn't, you know, basically Clone Wars wasn't a Disney thing or. I I don't know. I mean, they've done another Darth Maul novel recently that I read too, and maybe they're trying to maybe get people in with that or something, and just say it's Darth Maul rather than and, and have the focus on Maul and not Clone Wars. But uh, I I don't know. It's it's it is kind of weird. It is interesting. Now, if they would have put the Clone Wars in the title, this would have been about the fourth time we've had comics based on the Clone Wars. If you recall, StarWars.com had the web comics for a while. For the first couple seasons, they had web mm-hmm. comics that followed each episode, which Dark Horse has never reprinted. But an outside company did for, I think, San Diego Comic-Con one year. They put together the first season of web comics but didn't do the second one. Then we had uh, the Clone Wars Adventures, the Digest styled. Uh, then we had the Clone Wars. It ran for a very short time, and it uh, talked about... Uh, some of the stories were ad- adaptations from the series, and some of them were new stories. And then the final one would be the Clone Wars comics that appear in those Titan Magazine fan club magazines. So, yeah, it's interesting. They've had four different series before. They chose not to make this the fifth. Very interesting. The Star Wars number seven. Jason? <laughs> What's your thoughts on the Star Wars so far? One, two, or three Death Stars? I can look at the pictures, but I, I cannot. I can no longer bring myself to read this comic book. I, I, I still have been picking them up. I enjoy yeah. the artwork. I enjoy the fact that you know they're looking at George Lucas's original, you know, one of one of his original scripts for Star Wars. But it hurts my brain when I start reading this. And after reading three issues, I said, I'm not going to hurt my brain anymore. And I'm going to stop reading it. So I still I do like the artwork. It's really nice. And it's based on a lot of Ralph McQuarrie uh, concepts and, and some of his designs, which is, is fun to look at. And, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not blaming, uh, is it J.W. Rinsler? Because he wrote it. You know, he's he, got the script. Yes. I don't blame him for the script because he's basically taking what Lucas did yeah, 38 years ago or something. I I can't I just can't look at I just can't read something with that's just so um so off from from everything else. So I'm going to give it one Death Star and say pretty pictures. OK. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, where do you stand on the Death Star? 
I mean, oh, sorry, the Star Wars. Um, I'm not completely caught up with this series yet, but uh, I mean, the whole idea of it fascinated me. I read the uh, the Rinsler making of books earlier this year, and when he would, um, you know, put the stuff in from the original script, I found it fascinating to see, you know, what was there and became what the movie that we know and love, you know, how it became there, but also see the the early stuff. I mean. I've read a few issues into this, and you know, there's things that came about in um, in the prequels, even too, uh, that we didn't see until the prequels, and and stuff like Alderaan starting, you know, what is, it's the Imperial planet in this, if I'm remembering correctly, and um, you know, then becomes the the, um, the planet gets blown up, basically. Uh, and there's all sorts of things like that. You, you see the how it changed and how it went um, for with Star Killer and Skywalker and all that sort of stuff. Death Star, or Star Destroyers that are basically two-man ships. I don't know. I find it absolutely fascinating. But part of that was I was fascinated by those scripts from the making of books when I read them earlier this year. Uh, personally, I'd love to see him do the um, the early scripts of Jedi, where they had like three Death Stars and all sorts of things that we never saw in the movie. I think that would be interesting. But from that standpoint, I enjoy it. I would say probably two Death Stars on it. Um, it is a little confusing because the characters don't match up because things don't match up with the story that we know. And they even put out the issue zero to help explain some of that because I think <laughs> people were getting way too confused. Um, like Jason, I do love the artwork in these. Uh, it looks fantastic. But it, it's it's different. Uh, for most people who are looking to read something, I would say this is one of those to read as a curiosity, but don't expect to, uh, you know get sucked into the story necessarily. Um, I mean, the story is very similar to the movie we know, but it's not the same overall. Okay, so it sounds like you're, you're already exposure to Rinsler's uh, previous script treatments and stuff helped you enjoy this a little bit more than maybe Absolutely. Jason. Yes, yeah. definitely. Because I'm right there with Jason. I read, I, I don't even think I made it through the third issue. <laughs> I read two of them, and I just could not process when you tell me the person I'm looking at is Luke, but I'm looking at Anakin, and the planet we're on is um, Utapau, when I really know it's Tatooine. And, you know, it's yeah. just, it, it is too much of my brain. So. Yeah. I, like Jason, too, have been collecting each issue, and I am waiting when the final issue comes out, issue number eight, to read them all so I can kind of just hopefully in one shot get my brain wrapped around it. Um, Mike Mayhew does great on the art. I agree with you guys on that. Um, So it's definitely awesome to look at, and I like the designs. I think they're awesome, and what I want – you know, a lot of these figures have been done by Star Wars – had been made into Star Wars action figures. And would I want more that I see in here? Absolutely. But it's just maybe just putting them in the plot points and putting the story is just a little overwhelming for me. So um, I will be reading it all the way through very shortly, but as of right now, I can't do it. So it's uh, to me one Death Star, but you know, it's not a true depiction of how good it is. It's just my thoughts right now before reading it. All right. Um, Legacy number 14, of course, the future series covering the adventures of a solo descendant, um, Ania. Is that how we're saying her name? Ania? Have you guys heard it pronounced? Um, <laughs> Ania? Ania? I think Ania. Ania? 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 
It's really. I think I've been saying Anya, but Anya in my in my head when I've been reading it, but. Yeah, I'm a very bad judge of how to pronounce some of these Star Wars names because, like I'd mentioned in the Galaxy of Toys episode one uh, episode, I constantly was calling it Qui-Gon. Yeah, Qui-Gon Jinn, Qui-Gon Jinn, and then episode one came out and it was Qui-Gon. So, yeah, at least you I, weren't on TV saying that, Jake. <laughs> like me. <laughs> oh, you, see, but, you know, though, pronunciations can change. Have you seen like some of the Scott? <laughs> Have you seen some of the? There's a. Yeah, I think it's on the. Uh, mm, on the original trilogy DVD release, there's 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 a documentary with Lucas, and I think he he's pronouncing Hoth as Hoth like the whole no. time. I've never I seen have, that. Yeah, so that, well, I mean, that kind of threw me a little. The pronunciations you have Leia and Leah throughout, and Han and Han. Yeah. Falcon, Falcon. Yeah, Falcon, Falcon, yeah. I don't know. Uh Yeah, well, you know, some characters change accents halfway through anyway, so. (laughs) (laughs) Carrie Fisher said something about that recently, actually. (laughs) So we're following the adventures of uh, Ania, we're going to go with, or Ania. No, I like Ania better. Um, Ania Solo, descendant of the Solos, of course, and she's being tracked down by bounty hunters. She's teamed up with some Imperial Knights. These are, of course... Um, we're all established in this is the second volume of Legacy the first volume went 1 through 50 then they did a miniseries called Legacy War and then this picks up um, even later after all of those series so Ryan have you been reading this series and if so what do you think I have not read this series no it was one of those I looked at um, since I I just recently got back into reading comics and I know this one's been around for a little while and as with many things like books and comics, it's it's always hard to decide where to jump in on it. And I just decided, you know, I, I read some of the early stuff like you talked about with Kiati Mundi and all that. Um, and I've read some of the stuff that came in the comic packs, but I just ultimately decided I'm not going to jump into this and I'll, I'll leave it be. Okay. Well, if you ever want to, I'm more than happy to loan you mine because I love this series. Legacy overall, I should say. Jason, what are you thinking? I think for ongoing series, this is one of the better ones. So I, I'd probably give this maybe a three Death Star. Three Death Star. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it, it's a lot of it, – it's fun. I won't say it's as fun as the first run, the first one through 50. Did you read all of those? Um, yeah, I did actually recently because um, okay. I, I – I, when those when Legacy started, I kind of dropped off. But then uh, a couple years ago, I decided to try to catch back up. So I re- yeah, I I did eventually catch up on those. And how do you like this compared to the first run? Um, I think it's you know I know people do like the first run better, um, but I think it's comparable. Maybe not maybe not quite as good. You know, I guess if I had 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 an issue of the of of the first Legacy. Versus this, maybe I wouldn't. I don't know. It's hard. I almost want to change my rating to two and a half Death Stars. But yeah, it's good. It's good. It's solid. I I don't have any problems with this comic. I think it's good. I'm enjoying it because, of course, I've already said multiple times I'm a big Legacy fan. Um, I I think it I think it slows down a little bit. I would have to say that some of the pacing slows down. There's um, you know, we have whole scenes where they're trying to just talk about the motivations of where, you know, Ania's friends are out looking for. And they're talking about her just motivation for page after page and concepts about, you know, based on her history, where would she go? And it just kind of a little too much for me. I want to see more action. I want to see more, you know, 
them doing things as opposed to just chatting it out. You know, I'm all for a good conversation, but I feel like it gets a little redundant at times. And that would, of course, be due to the uh, script writers, which are Karina Becco and Gabriel Hardman are the current ones on this. Um, I'll tell you one character I am loving in this uh, second volume is the uh, AG droid, the IG-88 that uh, is a friend of hers. Um, I love it. I love the fact that he wears clothes. I love the fact that he has a history. Uh, we see now, they hint at this last uh, number 14, that he has a connection to Han Solo. Like he made a promise to protect uh, Han Solo or his offspring at some point. We haven't got the full definition of what that little teaser is. Because in his memory banks, we see Han and Chewie. And he says, you'll want to fast forward to past this because they're looking for uh, something else. So I thought it was a very interesting choice of character. He has the bandoliers over his chest and very, very cool, unique take on this they give more life to the ig88 type character than we're used to just being a full-on robot so he's definitely a standout for this series for me but i'm going to give this series um two and a half two and a half death stars yeah i'll probably go back on what i said and go with that too two and a half <laughs> sorry this whole rating thing's new to me i've never had to rate things like this before <laughs> there you go well we're all learning uh that's what issues number ones are for all right, that brings us to the final series, which is currently ongoing or uh, in production or publication, I should say, from Dark Horse. And that brings us to Rebel Heist. And this came out the end of April with issue number one. But based on issue number one, Jason, um, what are your thoughts? This, I didn't like this comic. Um, I think the artwork was okay. Actually, I like the artwork. But uh, the script, the writer, Matt uh, Kind, um, mm -hmm. K-N-D-T, yeah, nothing, you know, nothing personal, but this was just too fanboyish for me. Just too much Han Solo lovey-dovey fanboy stuff. I, it was sickening to, to me. <laughs> um, I was hoping the whole time that this character who was following Han Solo around for the first three quarters of the comic would just die. I kept waiting for someone to shoot him. <laughs> kept waiting for someone to shoot him so I wouldn't have to read his his uh, love letter to Han Solo. It was just, uh, I don't know, it really rubbed me wrong. And I know I think towards the end it kind of turned out where he decided he didn't like Han Solo so much at the end, but it didn't make up for it. So... Hey, here's hoping the next issue about Princess Leia will be better because because uh, uh, this is this was not good. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so one Death Star. I will give it one Death Star because you know the artwork wasn't that bad and and uh, I guess like I because I, I wanted to give it zero Death Stars but <laughs> I guess you got to you do need to take the art into some you know in, into consideration I suppose and the art's it's 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 not bad. Okay. Ryan, did you pick up Rebel Heist number I did. one? Okay. I, I, I read through this, and it was interesting because I talked with you guys ahead of time, and you guys both um, – well, maybe I shouldn't give away Jake's uh, review here. <laughs> but in general, I'd heard that uh, people didn't like this this comic, and, and so I wasn't expecting much when I read it. And I read through it, and um, 
Because I know that, that was okay. I, I didn't mind it. I mean, the the whole thing of seeing it from the perspective of the uh, supposed rebel recruit that's going with Han Solo was was interesting, but I didn't really want it to continue. Uh, you know, I, I did get like I I wasn't so much like Jason where I wanted him to die necessarily, but I wanted it to switch to Han. You know, switch to his point of view and seeing stuff. Uh, you know, how he's going, or maybe have his thoughts about this. You know. Uh, total fanboy recruit that he had with him, as Jason said. Um, but it, um, and, and so I enjoyed it enough. And then I was talking to you guys about it, and you said, "Well, that's what all these issues. It's going to be a different character." Like I didn't realize the next one was going to be Princess Leia, even though you look in the back, you know, it says shows the next thing, and it would be from the perspective of somebody else around Leia. And I was like, "Oh, they're all going to be like this? No, I don't like that." <laughs> How many I mean, of these are coming out? This is a four-part series. Okay. Okay. Whew. So I, I'm gonna go one and a half Death Stars. Um, I mean, it was to me, it was it was like okay to continue to to start off with if it was gonna be just about Han Solo the whole time and maybe from different people's perspective as well as his own. I, I think that'd be much better. But if we're gonna have different characters and perspectives on those main characters from other people. Uh, I'm not so sure about this. Okay, yeah, and I believe that's the theme of this book. It's uh, it's the core characters through someone else's point of view. Um, yeah, the Rebel Heist, you know, it was interesting because you kept wanting to see Han actually do something cool. Like, this guy keeps going, like, oh, well, he's got to have a way out here. Oh, man, he's so smug. Oh, yeah, man, he treated that. That was awesome. And then he just ends up getting caught and then getting beat. And then you're like, well, that just didn't really even paint Han Solo in a light that I think we are used to seeing him painted in. So it was, to me, it was kind of out of character. So again, that's how I judge it. Did it feel like Star Wars to me? Not really. Not really. I mean, they had, they had speeder bikes and they had bunkers and they had, you know, stormtroopers and, but did it feel like Star Wars to me? I can't say it did. You know, blood is also a tricky thing with me in Star Wars. Yes, I know there are scenes with blood in Star Wars, but typically when you see a guy's face bashed in and bleeding, especially when it's a hero, that doesn't feel Star Wars to me. So, yeah, I wasn't feeling this. I'm right there with uh, Jason, I guess, on you on this. Not, not feeling this one. I will give it one Death Star. I think it needs to go back to the planning stages because, <laughs> you know. I did think it was interesting that they had aliens uh, pole dancing, though. You recall that? They walk, they meet in the bar where there's, like, centipedes dancing around bars on a yeah. stage. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. Pole dancing, yeah. At, uh, at least they didn't go with the Twi'leks or the Twi'leks for this because that would have been too typical. So, yeah. hey, they tried something different. Yeah. They did. <laughs> They did, but it's weird when it's a bunch of humans watching a bunch of centipedes and (laughs) stuff that looks like from the thing dancing around. We just needed some hot belly dancers in there. That's what we were. (laughs) Yeah, where's Yarna? (laughs) Yeah, so we'll see what the next one is, and if it's supposed to be Leia focused, how they wrap up this Han Solo story, or will they wrap it up? That'll be the question. I hope they don't. I hope they don't. I don't want. I don't need any more of this story. Are they just going to all come together somehow? or? Well, uh, the solicitation for Rebel Heist number two says, On a planet outside the Empire's jurisdiction, Princess Leia goes undercover to obtain a vital code 
from an imperial source. She'll have to use disguises, gadgets, and her feminine wiles to succeed. And her only ally is another spy who is convinced the princess is a liability in the field. No mention of Han Solo rescuing him, escaping. He is now, as far as we know, (laughs) an imperial prisoner. Her feminine wiles. It's a, that just that just makes me think so that as much I, I do like a lot of Shadows of the Empire, but that whole seduction scene with Leia and Shizor <laughs> just makes me think of that. And I did not like that in Shadows. Going back to the the was it the pheromone output? Yeah. That he has, yeah. Oh. So yeah. I, you know what? I I cringe when I hear things like using disguises and gadgets when it comes to Princess Leia because for me. I know she's an adventurer. I know she goes into disguise for as Bausch. Um, but for the most point, I view her as a princess, royalty, not trained for espionage, not trained for those type of things. And I, and I forgive Bausch or I accept Bausch because Han was her lover. That's, you know, she will go to extremes for him. But just if it's just to go out to, you know, run a quick mission. Just like they do in the Star Wars, she gets in the X-Wing. I've been never visioned well, Leia as an X-Wing pilot. No. Well, if Leia will marry a prince so they can park their ships on a planet, I mean, yeah. what the... <laughs> yeah, you know what? It's not, to me, it's not a good characterization of no. Princess Leia. I don't know. I've yeah. always seen Leia as, you know, yes, she's royalty, but she's one who's willing to get right down there in the mud with uh, the little guy and, and work in that. I mean, we see her shooting a blaster in all through Star Wars. Um, and, and you know she doesn't just stand there and wait for necessarily somebody to, to save her all the time. Obviously, that's what happens in Star Wars. But once they get her out of the cell, she's helping herself save herself too. So I mean, I can kind of see her flying an X-wing. I mean, she's part of the rebellion here. Uh, when you look at most rebellions, you don't just have a leader sitting there, um, giving out orders. They're usually right there in the field doing everything with everybody. So to me, it kind of makes sense. I feel it. I hear what you're saying. Um, I do find it interesting, though, in the preview of the cover for next month, it basically looks like uh, Leia's wearing Padme's white outfit from Episode 2. Yes, that is an interesting... That is definitely a very Snow Bunny-inspired design. Now, these 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 uh, Rebel Heist uh, issues have two covers. One is kind of a more a standard comic book cover, and the other is more of a, a painting of... The variant is actually by yeah. the author. Okay. Oh, so, okay. So Matt Kent has been doing kind of the um, the throwback covers, if you will. Yeah, I like the the uh, the uh, the alternate covers, the the variants, the variants. I think they look nice. That's the, the one the, I picked up. The only thing about the alternate covers, like I saw the Han Solo one at a store, and I didn't even know it was Rebel Heist because yeah. it doesn't say Rebel Heist on it. That, yeah, exactly. I, and you know what? I didn't for that reason. I didn't. Even though I prefer the cover, I didn't pick it up because uh, I 20 years from now and I'm trying to look for it, I wanted to know what it's called. <laughs> yeah, I, I had to actually flip open the comic. Okay, oh yeah, that's that's the same comic. I've read that. Okay, because mm-hmm. yeah, I just saw. I was like, what is that? I haven't seen that, but it's weird. Yeah, you know, that's a, that's always a uh, frustration is when you're like running through the comic book shop and you pick up something like, oh, I don't have that because you don't recognize the cover, and then you get home and you're like. I just wasted four bucks on a comic I already had because I grabbed the wrong cover or the other color. It's always frustrating. Um, there is actually three covers 
Adam Hughes does the standard, and then apparently there's an ultra variant cover. Oh. I'm not sure what that is, but then again, that's not my uh, collecting ways. I don't go so hardcore to go after the ultra variants. So, but I will find that, and if I find it, I'll put it up on the Galaxy of Toys Facebook page. All right. Um, now, in regards to Star Wars comics, now those are the five. One, two, three, four. Is that right? Yeah. Yep, five, one, two, three, four. No, sorry, six, no, five issues that are out for the month. Um, but for those who are really hardcore comic book fans, just so you know, I don't, you know, they don't obviously follow continuity or with these dark horse, but there are other ways that you can get comic books for Star Wars, and that would be the Star Wars magazine, which used to be the Clone Wars magazine uh, by Titan Magazines. It is uh, the same company, of course, that produces the Star Wars Insider. Titan Magazines does. They have a child uh, children's magazine called Star Wars Magazine, which formerly was known as the Clone Wars. And in each issue, they have Star Wars comics. Now, they're little silly three or four pagers. And, you know, but for those who are the serious comic book fans and Star Wars comic book fans, that's something that you'll want to pick up if you haven't already. I believe most of these, though, have been printed before in the U.K. because Titan Magazine is actually a U.K. company that's currently in charge of the fan club magazine. And they have they started this kid magazine earlier than U.S. did. And so a lot of these comics originated over there and now are being reprinted in our uh, Star Wars magazines. So something to think about. And this is, of course, way off the radar from Dark Horse. But if you are a Lego fan, you'll want to subscribe to their free club magazine. It's actually called Lego Fan Club Magazine. And inside it, it has little Lego comics, two or three pages, um, silly stories that kind of tie into whatever Lego uh, Star Wars properties going on, whether it's the, um, uh, the Yoda Chronicles or what's upcoming. So it's just a couple more ways that you can get some extra doses of Star Wars comics throughout the month. All right. Uh, upcoming June releases on July on June 11th, Star Wars number 18 will come out. On June 18th, Darth Maul, Son of Dathomir number two will be out. On June 25th, Legacy 16 and Rebel Heist number three will be coming out. So those will be the comics that we'll be looking at for next month. If you want to do your homework and prepare and listen along with us. All right, now this is the time in the show when we wanted to uh, open up the Star Wars vault and to a different period in Star Wars comic publishing history and take a look at one of the books of the past, Episode 1. Episode 1, when it came out, released no less than nine books. No, nine comics were out in May of 99 to tie into Episode 1. Now, four of them were, an, were a direct uh, movie adaptation. One of them was an exclusive that you had to send away to Wizards, the magazine, as uh, episode one and a half, or actually one half. And the last four books were books that were specifically uh, focused on characters that were scenes that happened just maybe before or after the movie or during that we didn't see. And that was Anakin, Skywalker, Qui-Gon Jinn, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and Queen Amidala. 
Jason, were you in 1999 <laughs> reading Star Wars comics episode one? I was all in, and I bought them all, except I didn't get that special half issue um, for whatever reason. I looked through I looked through my comic collection today. I didn't find that. I did find all the others. Um, and did kind of do a re uh, reread of them. I did my little own spin back in time. Um, <laughs> The the novel the uh, comic adaptations of Episode One, The Phantom Menace, the four issue series, I think are fantastic. I think the artwork's great. It's really great. I love this artwork. Um, I love the coloring. You know, not a lot of new stories and story bits in it because it's pretty much just a direct uh, telling of the movie. But the uh, the pencils, I guess, were. Rodolfo DiMaggio and the inker Al Williamson, who we know from old Star Wars stuff from the films, the uh, comic strips, and some of the uh, uh, the original Empire Strikes Back adaptation. And oh man, oh, yeah. it's great! I I I love I love the coloring and the just the look of this. It's so lush. I I, I even if you hate the Phantom Menace as a movie, <laughs> I would still pick this up and look through it because I think it's great. Yeah, I'll agree with you. The color is Al Williamson, classic, of course, has lots of Star Wars history, but it, uh, they are rich. Yes. He really captures the tones and oh, yeah. even emphasizes them more, I would say, than even they were in episode one. Um, and you like the art. The art is actually a uh, – this guy would go on to do – Rodolfo DiMaggio would go on to be a storyboard artist for Attack of the Clones. I'm not surprised. Yep. And then, of course, the artist uh, – sorry, the author is Henry Gilroy, who would then uh, write episodes of The Clone Wars. So this is a – I feel like Darko showed up with an A-team ready mm, to definitely. You know, really produce this you know, massively anticipated movie. Yeah. They brought a pretty good squad. Um, now, Ryan, did you uh, – collect these back in the day and read them i did in fact when i was going through my comics today i i saw them in there i think i had uh the single issues and as well as the uh uh the the trade paperback all together in, in one issue and which i thought was interesting because i don't usually do that sort of thing um i mean at the time yeah i was all in with episode one i was buying every star wars comic that came out um I, I think somewhere i even have the uh, a poster that was given away of the uh the cover art for this um. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a basic ac- adaptation of Episode One. Uh, <laughs> it, it it was all there. Um, uh, that's about all I can say for it. I, I I it works. Yeah. As you guys said, the artwork looks really good. Um, but yeah. I, Do you it think was, for- it was more Episode One at the time? <laughs> yeah. Yes. So we didn't have a shortage of that in '99. No. Of course. Now, do you feel that this is a now, Phantom Menace, of course, is a story that is controversial because old school fans don't care about it, um, don't appreciate it, what it brought to the Star Wars universe. Others feel it's great and it's fun and they grew up with it. Now, do you guys think, based on the story of Episode One, do you think it works as good in comic form or better than it does in film form since it's pretty fantastical? Compared to the original trilogy, it's got more realistic realism in it. Phantom Menace, you know, and the prequel trilogies have a little more fantasy. Does it work better in comic book form, Jason? Yeah, I'm not a prequel hater at all. I like I like Episode One, Two, and Three. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the comic books, you know, I hate to say it's better than the movie because there's so much tied into the movie, not just 
you know, but uh, yeah, nearly, nearly as well, if not better. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Ryan. Yeah. I'd say about the same. It was, you know, right on par with it. I, I don't know. I, I'm not I, like Jason said. I'm I'm not a prequel hater necessarily either. Episode one is probably the the least of well the Star Wars films I I enjoy. I can put it that way. Um, it's the one I probably watched the very least as far as uh, on the on the Blu-rays. But um, I mean, it, it seemed to work both in comic and uh, and film form. In in my mind, just reading it was just kind of going through the movie again as well so i didn't really make a distinction that way yeah there is it is a very thorough um depiction of the movie i almost find that sometimes they include a little too much for me there's a lot of writing compared to the average comic book this has a lot of writing especially in the first couple issues Mm -hmm. that you know make it you know it's not it's not a quick read because they're trying to, you know, episode one, of course, is a very dense film with everything from the plot line to introduction of new characters. So it's I think it's literally the backstory of Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there, it's definitely heavy uh, than the average comic book, I would say, on the writing. <clears throat> yeah. And, and you also mentioned the uh, the little one, the one shots that kind of yes. accompany this. Um, I kind of looked back at those today as well. The uh, the Anakin Skywalker one. It's interesting. Um, he go Anakin goes really out of his way to not hurt a womp rat, <laughs> right? And like his dad, like as for his kicks, just bullseye bull, uh, bullseye womp rat, right? He just shoots him at random or whatever. I thought it was interesting. <laughs> like Anakin doesn't want to hurt the womp rat. Luke Skywalker has. Uh, his son has no problem shooting womp rats. <laughs> I know that's what that's what I thought. It's like torturing womp rats. Isn't that something Anakin yeah. would be more prone right. to do? I was right? surprised. Yeah, mass murderer. I think, I think they were trying to go above and beyond to show that Anakin really was a sweet little boy who yeah. wanted to save everybody and was kind to everything, and then became Darth Vader. I, I think. They probably overdid it. I, I don't think I ever got those one shots, so it's news <laughs> to me on the Womp Rat thing. But I, I remember there. I think there was a deleted scene where there was something where he negotiated with Jawas too, and uh, um, was really kind to the Jawas as well. <laughs> so I, maybe it's to make that you know when he decides to kill all the Tusken Raiders, the women and children too, in Episode Two, it, it makes it you know that that kind of change for him, that major change at that point. Yeah. No. Yeah. It definitely starts the arc. The yeah. Um, one thing I thought was interesting is uh, we're so used to it now, and not only Dark Horse, but all types of comics. There was no recap on any issue past number one. So if you're picking up the Phantom Menace, you're just jumping right in. Mm-hmm. Like if you picked up issue number two and maybe hadn't seen the movie, I think that that may have been a hard pill to swallow. But then again, they were all released in the same month all at once. So they probably weren't expecting many people to do that. But if you did, or if you're coming back to it now and you didn't start with one, um, it's kind of interesting. It's something we're used to seeing. We're used to seeing the recap and the era that it's in and the, you know, ABY. The, uh, yeah, the, um, I'm going to get back to those one shots for just a sec. The, uh, the the Qui-Gon Jinn one, was okay. Was not bad. It kind of showed how Qui Gon collected on the 
on the bet that uh, mm-hmm. that uh, Watto owed him. Um, that was a pretty good because it was a lot of original material. It did show at the end that uh, deleted scene where uh, Anakin gets in a fight with Greedo, which got deleted but put on the blue, uh, not the Blu-ray, but the uh, DVD. The DVD, release. yeah, yeah. The uh, the Amidala comic was kind of seemed kind of far fetched to me. They go on some crazy hunt for this battery that these little that this fairy bug steals. Seemed a bit odd, and it, but it was kind of that fun. was on Tatooine. Yeah, right, for the pod it, race. It looked and... like they probably passed uh, the Lars Homestead at one point, but I don't know. Didn't well, quite say it, but and then they also end up at a um a, they end up in water. Yeah. Right. Is... Yeah. Right. Kind what? Of yeah, yeah, it was strange, but you know, it was what? it was comic booky. <laughs> now I had what a. What just push your farmers out there for if there's water? Well, there's a big wave that yeah. drowns these Gamorians that they're running from. It's kind of out there. I, I, it doesn't really fit in with the movie for me, but I still think it's a fun read as far as a comic book. Yeah. The one I had a problem with was definitely the Obi Wan Kenobi uh, comic because it is a lazy retelling of the Phantom Menace with v- v- little to no new content. It's agreed. It uh, is not original in the slightest. Yeah. So I wouldn't not, if, if we were rating this one, I'd give it a zero death stars. Zero. <laughs> <laughs> but because it's, it's just, there's not, it's nothing new. It's just a, yeah, it's after just you, after Phantom you, Menace through his Obi-Wan's right, eyes. POV. Right, and yep. it's, it's just lazy. And especially after you read the, the really wonderful episode uh, one comic adaptation, the official one, to read this afterwards is really like you see how it could have gone wrong. And it, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and it does in this, I think. You know, and the, and the art doesn't help if no. you're reading no. the. Um, I mean, it's not horrible, but it's definitely a completely different animated style. Right. It is uh, actually, sorry, it is done in a more animated, more superhero-y, fantastical. Whereas the episode one uh, has very beautiful yeah. art that's yeah. based more in reality. And it was written by Henry Gilroy, who who typically does really good stuff, but yeah, this wasn't good. No, but Ryder Wyndham, uh, what I'll give you on the uh, Qui-Gon story is uh, the art is really rich in this one, too. And that's done by uh, – his name is Robert Terenishi. And I'll be honest, I don't know his work outside of this, but it is very – it's very good. It's yeah. It's got a little different feel to it, but yeah, they're fun to look at. Yeah. And, you know, the uh, I, found, I did find one thing good about the Obi-Wan uh, one shot, the Obi Wan Kenobi, and that is okay. it does show the deleted scene of the uh, of the bongo, the bongo. Uh, caught in the uh, waterfall, which yep. and that scene never was surfaced till the DVD came out, or like yeah, a year. Twice based on that. Yeah, so I, I guess I'll give it that, but uh, sorry, that one's no good. <laughs> All right, so All right. that. That wraps up our little spin back in time as we take a look at uh, some of the Star Wars comics from the past. And um, I think that'll be it for this show. I'd like to thank my co-hosts for coming out on this uh, first episode with us. Jason, thanks so much for joining me in the journey toward uh, Star Wars comic books. Yep, it's fun. Yeah, I look forward to doing it again. And Ryan, as always, it's a pleasure to hear your take and angle on things. 
Uh, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. And, of course, um, thank you for listening to the Star Wars Spinner Rack. Now, if you have questions or comments on the show, you can, of course, email us at galaxyoftoys at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter and the Facebooks at Galaxy of Toys. And if you want to listen to, well, this would be our first one, so we don't have previous episodes. But if you want to listen to other Galaxy of Toys ep- uh, episodes, you can find us at podbean.com backslash is that right jason actually just go to galaxyoftoys.podbean.com there it is okay galaxy of toys comes first and then also you can find us on your feeds if you subscribe to itunes and stitcher smart radio we're still holding out on zoom we're still there we're still zoom (laughs) we're still on zoom All right. Well, I didn't work Zune into the pitch, but there it is. Zune is, you can find us there as well. So, again, my name's Jake, and until next month, may the Force and the funny books be with you. <laughs>